Has it ever occurred to you just how incredible grapes are? Now think about it. That little box of raisins your mother packed in your lunch bag was the only fruit that qualified as a dessert. And consider this. When we hear juicy gossip, we say we heard it through the grapevine. We didn't hear it through the apple tree or the berry bush. Grapes are so darn special that the grocery store expects us to snitch a few to ensure quality control. Try doing that with a banana or a pineapple. Admit it, every encounter you've ever had with grapes has been positive. That's why we created Grape Encounters, a place for adults to hang out and focus on the paramount achievement of grapedom. Delicious, irresistible wine. Wine brings people together. It starts conversations. It makes us happy. In fact, wherever there are grapes, there's gorgeous scenery, very cool people, and plenty of laughter. All that being said, let's bring out your guide for this journey. The Wizard of Wine, the Gangster of Grape, David Wilson. Now, we do a lot, and I mean a lot of crazy things on Grape Encounters Radio. Been doing the show for over 15 years now, and there's almost nothing that I won't try, almost nothing that I won't do. I have done the show while ziplining across canyons. I've been lowered into 600-foot-deep caverns. I have uh, gone wine tasting on the back of uh, not-so-cooperative horses. Uh, You name it, I've done it. And uh, I'm always looking for new ways to take you on different and new adventures. But this week has really been something, this past week. It actually started a couple of weeks ago. And we've got some big plans for the upcoming week, that is to say next week. But until we get there, there's going to be even more madness. And I'm going to tell you about it right now. It seems that I found myself with a pretty good size gap in my schedule, which generally doesn't happen. But if you'll recall, last week and the week before, I was in uh, Orange County, California, helping out some friends who have a family wine cellar that was started by the patriarch of the family who has long since passed. And I was very pleased and honored to have been able to speak at his funeral so many years ago. But boy, oh boy, did he ever put together one heck of a wine cellar. It had the most legendary wines in there that you can possibly imagine, and lots of them. And then tons of other wines that most of us probably have never even heard of. But great wines all the same. The concentration of wines was mostly Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, that coming from the Napa Valley and Sonoma. There were also lots of Bordeaux and Bordeaux blends that came from France. And then a whole lot of Pinot Noir also coming from uh, France and California. When it came to just about every other varietal, Uh, they were most certainly missing because this particular fellow knew what he liked, liked what he knew, and he wasn't going to let anybody tell him what he was going to stock his wine cellar with. There were, by the way, I think not more than maybe a hundred white wines in the entire cellar of thousands of wines, so white was definitely not his thing. Well, that wine cellar had sat dormant for a lot of years, 
And apart from family members occasionally going in there and grabbing a bottle for a special occasion, it remains pretty much in the same condition that it was in when I last saw it, which was pretty close to 10 years ago. So the family asked me if I would go through the wine cellar and make a general assessment. You know, what do we have here? Are all these wines still good? Are there some things that are purely amazing? Uh, What do we do with this? Where do we go from here, David? And so I I talked a bit about this last week, and I actually hinted about it a few weeks prior to that. Not specifically about this wine cellar, but just about keeping wines in general. And in my opinion, how dangerous that can be if that's not your full-time occupation. Suffice to say, we Americans engage in personal hobbies that can oftentimes be very expensive. And if you're a golfer, you know what I mean. If you're a skier, you know what I mean. If you're into water sport toys and things like that, you know what I mean. Uh, Sometimes the price of fun is out of everybody's reach, and uh, and so we just uh, pass on to other things. I, I think it's safe to say that if needlepoint was my hobby instead of wine, that I would be living in a first-class mansion somewhere, and I'd have lots of money to spend on other things. But nope, I love wine, and for those of you who really love wine, you know it can set you back a pretty penny. So I was reading uh, some random articles earlier this week about the cost of going to Napa Valley. You know, you want to go on a, on a great wine experience. There's no question that Napa is one of the greatest places on earth to go have that experience. Um, that's not to take anything away from Bordeaux or, or Spain or, you know, um, Australia, South America. I mean, wine adventures are endless on this planet. But somebody wrote uh, a little piece as sort of an op-ed wherein they took a pretty a pretty big shot at the Napa Valley and the cost of wanting to experience it as a wine lover. And they posed a question as to whether or not Napa's number one crop is grapes or is it cash? And pointed out the fact that the latest uh, resort that has opened up for wine lovers in Napa has a starting price uh, for rooms of around $1,400 per night, not per week, 1400 bucks per night. And, you know, when you think about it, that's just a ton of money that could be spent on buying cases of wine. And so I decided that since I'm going on to a very well-planned adventure next week, this next coming week. And it's going to be what we talked about last week, which is to pair wine with national parks and state parks. And we've really got this adventure down pat, I think. I have this span of about four or five days where I've got nothing planned. And, you know, uh, I guess I should just take some downtime and you know, do other things that are not wine related. But no, I decided that I was going to, in a way, respond to this author who bemoans the cost of going on wine country adventures uh, and, and see if there isn't a way that we can make it fun for everyone, 
regardless of how much money you've got, and give you a great adventure, but not break your bank. And so that's what I'm doing this week. And we're going to do this um, in a very spontaneous kind of way. And I started this adventure yesterday by waking up in the morning with absolutely no plan in terms of where I was going to go, where I was going to start, and what I was going to do other than to make it a wine adventure. And I made some other rules up for myself because gasoline is so ridiculously expensive right now. I decided that I would not be driving a car. I decided that I would use mass transportation as much as is possible and that I would find better ways to utilize online booking services for hotels, tours, and transportation and any other expenses that you can think of that you might be able to take care of online. Because heaven knows, anything you want to do in this world, you can book online. And in my case, I oftentimes like to seek out those opportunities and literally book them and pay for them while I'm sitting on a train, while I'm sitting on a plane, or while I'm sitting in my posh hotel room. So those are the rules. I am going to lead you on an interesting experience, I think, where there is no planning, where the objective is to keep expenses incredibly low, where spontaneity is the rule of the day, and where the ultimate outcome needs to be a phantasmagorical adventure. And so we're going to take a break here for a second, and we'll dive deeply into that. And I'm going to tell you what I did, what my first step was to make this a possibility, so you want to stay with me. But uh, there's another reason you want to stay with me today, and that is I'm going to show you today some ways that you can get the absolute most out of your wine adventures, meaning that you're going to be able to stay at better places for less money, buy great wines for a lot less than you would expect to. Um, you're going to be able to live like a king or a queen. It's going to be simple to do, and you're going to save so much that you'll be able to buy at least a couple of cases of really good wine that you wouldn't have been able to purchase if you just did things the conventional way. So how's that sound? I think you're going to have a lot of fun with me on this adventure of Grape Encounters Radio, which may have to change to Where's Waldo? You'll understand when we come back right after this. You're listening to Grape Encounters with David Wilson. We offer something for everyone. Unfortunately, we're not allowed to offer free wine. That's what your friends are for. At MM Organics, we're surrounded by health nuts. That's because we're obsessed with lowering blood pressure, cholesterol, and the risk of cancer. We want to make weight loss easier and help you strengthen everything from your heart to your teeth, nails, and hair. Full disclosure, those health nuts are actually dry-farmed heirloom certified organic raw walnuts. Rich with essential vitamins and nutrients, they're vastly superior to other nuts. Imagine 
Walnuts can actually lower stress and boost your brain power. No wonder MM Organics customers are so darn smart. MMOrganics.com is where you'll find our uniquely irresistible raw walnuts, walnut butter, oil and flour, sprouted flavored walnuts, and decadent fair trade chocolate covered walnuts, which pair beautifully with our legendary two horse port style wine. MMOrganics.com eating any other nuts is just plain nuts. And this edition of Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine and More. One of the absolute best ways I'm able to discover the latest and greatest Cabernet, Chardonnay, or artisan spirit is to go exploring at Total Wine and More. A whole lot more. Like the smile of an expert eager to help you find a new favorite. And the confidence of knowing there's something special everywhere you look. Plus, the freedom to discover a mind-blowing selection at totally low prices online at TotalWine.com. Where you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Please drink responsibly. Be 21. Now, we do a lot, and I mean a lot of crazy things on Grape Encounters Radio. Been doing the show for over 15 years now, and there's almost nothing that I won't try, almost nothing that I won't do. I have done the show while ziplining across canyons. I've been lowered into 600-foot deep caverns. I'm always looking for new ways to take you on different and new adventures, but this week has really been something this past week. It actually started a couple of weeks ago, and we've got some big plans for the upcoming week, that is to say next week, but until we get there, there's going to be even more madness. It seems that I found myself with a pretty good-sized gap in my schedule, which generally doesn't happen, but if you'll recall, last week and the week before, I was in uh, Orange County, California. California, helping out some friends who have a family wine cellar that was started by the patriarch of the family who has long since passed. But boy, oh boy, did he ever put together one heck of a wine cellar. It had the most legendary wines in there that you can possibly imagine, and lots of them. The concentration of wines was mostly Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, that coming from the Napa Valley and Sonoma. There were also lots of Bordeaux and Bordeaux blends that came from France. And then a whole lot of Pinot Noir, also coming from uh, France and California. When it came to just about every other varietal, uh, they were most certainly missing because this particular fellow knew what he liked, liked what he knew, and he wasn't going to let anybody tell him what he was going to stock his wine cellar with. There were, by the way, I think not more than maybe a hundred white wines in the entire cellar of thousands of wines, so white was definitely not his thing. Well, that wine cellar had set dormant for a lot of years. And apart from family members occasionally going in there and grabbing a bottle for a special occasion, it remains pretty much in the same condition that it was in when I last saw it, which was pretty close to 10 years ago. So the family asked me if I would go through the wine cellar and make a general assessment. You know, what do we have here? Are all these wines still good? Are there some things that are purely amazing? Uh, What do we do with this? Where do we go from here, David? 
And so I talked a bit about this last week, and I actually hinted about it a few weeks prior to that. Not specifically about this wine cellar, but just about keeping wines in general. And in my opinion, how dangerous that can be if that's not your full-time occupation. Suffice to say, we Americans engage in personal hobbies that can oftentimes be very expensive. And if you're a golfer, you know what I mean. If you're a skier, you know what I mean. If you're into water sport toys and things like that, you know what I mean. Uh, Sometimes the price of fun is out of everybody's reach, and uh, and so we just uh, pass on to other things. I think it's safe to say that if needlepoint was my hobby instead of wine, that I would be living in a first-class mansion somewhere, and I'd have lots of money to spend on other things. But nope, I love wine, and for those of you who really love wine, you know it can set you back a pretty penny. So I was reading uh, some random articles earlier this week about the cost of going to Napa Valley. You know, you want to go on a, on a great wine experience. There's no question that Napa is one of the greatest places on earth to go have that experience. Uh, that's not to take anything away from Bordeaux or, or Spain or, you know, um, Australia, uh, South America. I mean, wine adventures are endless on this planet. But somebody wrote... Uh, a little piece as sort of an op-ed wherein they took a pretty a pretty big shot at the Napa Valley and the cost of wanting to experience it as a wine lover. And they posed a question as to whether or not Napa's number one crop is grapes or is it cash? And pointed out the fact that the latest uh, resort that has opened up for wine lovers in Napa has a starting price uh, for rooms of around $1,400 per night, not per week, 1400 bucks per night. And, you know, when you think about it, that's just a ton of money that could be spent on buying cases of wine. And so I decided that since I'm going on to a very well-planned adventure next week, this next coming week, and it's going to be what we talked about last week, which is to pair wine with national parks and state parks. And we've really got this adventure down pat, I think. I have this span of about four or five days where I've got nothing planned. And, you know, uh, I guess I should just take some downtime and you know, do other things that are not wine related. But no, I decided that I was going to, in a way, respond to this author who bemoans the cost of going on wine country adventures uh, and, and see if there isn't a way that we can make it fun for everyone, regardless of how much money you've got, and give you a great adventure, but not break your bank. And so that's what I'm doing this week. And we're going to do this um, in a very spontaneous kind of way. And I started this adventure yesterday by waking up in the morning with absolutely no plan in terms of where I was going to go, where I was going to start, and what I was going to do other than to make it a wine adventure. And I made some other rules up for myself because gasoline is so ridiculously expensive right now. I decided that I would not be driving a car. 
I decided that I would use mass transportation as much as is possible, and that I would find better ways to utilize online booking services for hotels, tours, and transportation, and any other expenses that you can think of that you might be able to take care of online. Because heaven knows, anything you want to do in this world, you can book online. And in my case, I oftentimes like to seek out those opportunities and literally book them and pay for them while I'm sitting on a train, while I'm sitting on a plane, or while I'm sitting in my posh hotel room. So those are the rules. I am going to lead you on an interesting experience, I think, where there is no planning, where the objective is to keep expenses incredibly low, where spontaneity is the rule of the day, and where the ultimate outcome needs to be a phantasmagorical adventure. And so we're going to take a break here for a second, and we'll dive deeply into that. And I'm going to tell you what I did, what my first step was to make this a possibility. So you want to stay with me. So how's that sound? I think you're going to have a lot of fun with me on this adventure of Grape Encounters Radio, which may have to change to Where's Waldo? Smoke from increasing wildfires is tainting wine grapes and vineyard executives are looking for new ways to adapt. Pure Fresh Wines O3 technology helps vineyards overcome the problems caused by wildfire smoke by treating grapes pre-crush to improve fermentation and overall wine quality, as well as removing smoke taint. For the typical winery, saving a full harvest of grapes with Pure Fresh Wine costs only 10 cents per bottle. O3 technology has been approved by the FDA and USDA. It leaves no residue and uses no chemicals. It provides many benefits to wineries, including the removal of sulfur, pesticides, and fungicides pre-crush, the reduction of bad bacteria and mold issues, an improvement in roundness and fruit-forward palate notes, and so much more. Most importantly, it safely and naturally breaks down smoke taint molecules to save grapes from damage. Rescue your harvest from smoke taint. Visit purefreshwine.com today. When you discover a new favorite bottle of Chardonnay, sparkling wine, or artisan spirit at Total Wine & More, you'll discover a whole lot more. Like the friendly smile of an expert guide, ready to help you find that perfect bottle. And the confidence of knowing you just found something really special. Explore the wondrous selection and totally low prices at TotalWine.com, where you'll find what you love and love what you find. Please drink responsibly. Be 21. This edition of Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine and More. When you discover a new favorite bottle of Chardonnay, sparkling wine, or craft spirit at Total Wine and More, you'll discover a whole lot more. Like the confidence of knowing you just found something really special. So explore the wondrous selection at TotalWine.com, where you'll find what you love and love what you find. Please drink responsibly. Be 21. I 
can't think of a better thing to do on this lovely day than to try to save you a bunch of money. And that is exactly what we're doing. And I really do put my money where my mouth is because some of the very advice that I'm giving you today, I have taken within the past 24 hours. And I've already saved enough money to buy a couple of really good cases of wine. And I really haven't had to do anything except be smart in order to obtain those humongous savings. So I'm passing the knowledge on to you. We've been talking, uh, first of all, uh, a bit about not letting your wine commit suicide by uh, leaving it in the cellar too long. And that's just a matter of keeping track of things. And by the way, if you're not sure what the lifespan is of a bottle of wine, just go online and Google the wine and you'll see if there are companies out there still selling the wine. If you've been taking good care of the wine and there are people that are still selling it, then chances are your wine's probably going to be okay too. The second thing that we talked about is the cost of travel. A travel writer who I'm going to leave anonymous uh, because I didn't get his permission to say his name, went on quite a bit about the cost of visiting Napa and how the resorts there are so expensive that the crop there that is number one these days is not grapes, but uh, he asserts that it's cash instead. He's got a lot of reason to feel that way because there are rooms going for upwards of $1,400, $1,600 per night. And you just have to ask yourself, what can somebody give me for just a night that is worth $1,000 more than what a good room would cost? Well, you're never going to get a $1,600 room down to $200, that's for sure. But you can definitely get $400 rooms down to $200, and I did that just this week. As a matter of fact, uh, my room costs for the next five days before I go off on this Torrey Pines, San Diego uh, National Park and Wine Adventure, my room costs, I was able to lower so much that I can buy two really good cases of wine and nothing has changed. I'm not going to a crummy cockroach inn of any sort. I'm staying at nice, nice places. But you go to places like Kayak, you do your homework, and you can quickly figure out what these mystery rooms are that they won't tell you about until you've actually paid for it. But it's easy enough to figure it out. And once you do, oh my gosh, uh, you own the world because you'll never pay full price again. And keep an eye out for the pop-up bargains on Kayak that come from places like Priceline because those sites will not give up. They will not give up at any cost. They want your business. And if you turn them down, I guarantee you, you're going to get something in your email a little while later that says, hey, how about this? Or hey, how about that? So you can keep your eyes peeled for that. But generally speaking, you shouldn't be afraid of the offers that say, we guarantee you one of these three chain hotels. As long as the chains are good, uh, chances are you're going to save a whole lot of money. Just bear in mind, rates go up on Thursdays. They stay up until Saturday night. Then they come back down on 
Sunday. So it always makes sense to uh, travel midweek if you possibly can. But now here's where it really gets super interesting and a way that you can save so much money that you might be able to continue to live your lavish wine lifestyle and drink the best of the best. And this has to do with a little subject called second labels. Now, I've talked about second labels on the show before, but I think it's really super important to revisit this topic because it really makes a difference in terms of the quality of wine that you can drink uh, at, at a really, really reduced uh, discount price. It's just stunning. It basically boils down to this, that most winemakers, it seems these days, are not content to simply make their lead brand of wine. They make other wines as well, sometimes under names that are similar to uh, their principal brand and sometimes completely different. But it's not that hard to figure out who's making a second label. All right, so what is the second label? Well, what it is, is it's wine that is made, generally speaking, with the same principles, the same techniques, the same tools, and in many cases, the same grapes as the higher-priced lead wine made by that winemaker. Uh, the differences can be um, very subtle, and sometimes they can be a lot bigger. But generally speaking, you're going to find that uh, one thing that they do is they don't completely use estate-grown grapes. So what does that mean? It means that they may be purchasing some grapes from a buddy down the road. And generally speaking, they're not going to lower their standards that much when they use somebody else's grapes. They're going to choose grapes that are of a high quality. Because you have to understand, these winemakers don't want to soil the reputation of their higher-end wine. They just aren't going to take that chance. And so even their secondary label is going to be of a very high quality. But let me just explain something to you in terms that you just won't want to overlook. Winemakers out there who are creating wines that, let's say, are selling for $300 a bottle, $400 a bottle, in some cases, I've seen $1,000 plus per bottle their secondary label is selling for a quarter of that price, sometimes a tenth of that price. And I'll give you some examples in just a second after the break, but and they will really startle you because uh, you could buy some wines made by some of the most legendary winemakers on the planet for a mere fraction. And when I say fraction, I don't mean 20% off. I mean 90% off. A mere fraction of what their frontline wine is selling for. And I assure you that when you take a bottle to a friend's house to share it with them and you say that this wine was made by the legendary John Jones who makes the iconic blah 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 wine brand you are going to impress some people not just with your good taste but with the fact that what you actually pour into their glass is going to be out of this world and I mean totally off the charts so you know why pay 
more money simply because the name is more readily recognized. It doesn't have to be that way. And, you know, one of the things that I often do is I, I like to buy certain clothes and there are certain brands that I like, like uh, Tommy Bahama I like. Uh, I, I, I love um, Lucky Jeans as an example. And you'll find that you can go into some department stores and buy brands like that for a lot less money than you would pay for the brand in the brand store. In other words, a store that is totally dedicated to that particular brand. Now, is there a difference between the jeans in one store versus the jeans in the department store? Well, the simple answer is yes and no. For the most part, the quality is there, but do they use a, a little lower grade of material? It's possible. Or maybe it's just material that's made in a country that, uh, you know, we might think produces lower quality fabrics. There can be a lot of reasons for it. And sometimes it's just that it's a promotion that they're using to get their name out there through that department store. But the long and the short of it is those jeans are going to be worth it and you're going to pay substantially less money. And the same thing happens in the wine industry. And it happens in a big way. And I'll leave you with this on, on this particular thought. I have a friend, very dear friend, who's a very renowned winemaker. I cannot tell you his name for reasons that should be obvious. But he makes at least 30 different wines. And when I say 30 different, I mean 30 different names, uh, brands. And uh, they vary in price. They vary in quality. But the truth is, is he's a really awesome winemaker. He will not put his name on something that's garbage. And so once you know what he's making, you've got those 30 brands to choose from. And you can be reasonably certain that the wines are going to be really decent and are going to be well below what a similar wine from a different producer would be sold at. It's just a fact. And there are literally thousands and thousands of these cases out there. And for the most part, ask anybody who loves wine, and they'll probably tell you that they had no idea that this was going on. I'll give you some really good examples when we come back. You're going to be shocked. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters, talking about how to save you bucket loads of money and protect that wine life that you love so much. Something amazing happened to me the other day at Total Wine & More. I found my new favorite Cabernet Sauvignon at a totally low price. As soon as I picked it up, it felt like, aha, I knew it was the one. So go explore their wondrous selection and you'll feel it too. Because at Total Wine & More, you'll find what you love and love what you find. Download the Total Wine app or visit TotalWine.com. But please drink responsibly. Be 21. We're talking 
thinking about saving you a bunch of money on wine. It could be on your wine purchases. It can be on your wine adventures. But really focused right at the moment on second wine labels, which is a topic area that I'm surprised most people don't really know about. And it probably represents the single best opportunity to save a whole bunch of money. And I mean a whole bunch of money. I mean, because think about how expensive a case of wine can be. If you're talking about really good wine, you know, decent wine that you'd be proud to serve to anybody, uh, you're talking about four to $700 for a case of wine. Now, if you're not that particular, then, you know, certainly you can get a case of wine for $200 or $300. And if that suits your purposes, then by all means, knock your socks off and enjoy. But if you are one of those people who would love to be able to drink the likes of uh, Chateau Lafitte Rothschild or Chateau Latour or, um, you know, any number of really amazing wines from California like uh, Bryant Family Wines, uh, Duckhorn, uh, Harlan Estate, legendary Paul Hobbs also, and let's not forget Screaming Eagle. Well, going to tell you what, those wines are affordable to pretty much nobody. I mean, just based on average income. You're going to have to scrape up some serious simoles if you're going to be sipping some of that stuff. That's for sure. But why not drink at that quality level? Because you can. You actually can drink astonishing wines made by the same astonishing winemakers who make the most legendary wines on the planet. They're making wine for you, and they're using the same wineries in many or most cases, much of the same grapes, because they're not going to go out and prostitute their brand that is as iconic as it gets to create a second label that is just so-so. It's not worth it to them. I mean, think about it. You're making wines that are a 1000 or $1,500 or even more per bottle. And believe me, it can get a lot more expensive than that. And then you're going to make a much lesser priced wine and people are going to taste it and say, well, what was he thinking or what was she thinking? Nobody that has a reputation like that is going to risk that reputation. They're just not going to do it. But the thing that they are doing here in many cases is they're creating an entry point for people who maybe can afford the more expensive brand, but perhaps are not willing to take that quantum leap out of the chute. I mean, imagine if you you taste a $60 bottle of wine and it just blows your mind and you know that they've got something that is 10 times better. Wouldn't you want to know? Wouldn't you want to just at least one time scrape together that dough, buy a bottle of that, maybe go in with some friends, which by the way is a great way to taste great wine. It becomes a lot more easy for you to taste some, you know, stellar products that you probably wouldn't otherwise ever pour into your glass. By the way, I'm not suggesting that our listeners are poor <laughs> by any means. It's more the fact that a lot of people just can't bring themselves to spend a ton of money on something that's going to be in a glass for a moment and then an hour later it's going to be gone and nothing more than a, a distant memory. I get that. 
I've got a father who's uh, quite well healed, but he would never drink a wine that was over $10 a, a bottle because he doesn't see the value. And that is actually the reality for, I think, most people. So uh, going back to the second label topic for a second, I named some of the uh, Bordeaux's uh, a little bit ago, and they're the really big names, uh, Chateau Hautbrion. Um, they have a second uh, label, which is Le Clarence de Hautbrion. And um, it, I'm not going to quote prices here because it's um, a good way for me to get myself in trouble. But let's suffice to say that the dis the difference between the number one and the number two in price is just uh, it's it's a huge gap. It's a huge difference. As is uh, Chateau Lafitte Rothschild. Everybody's heard of Chateau Lafitte Rothschild. Well, they have a second brand as well, and that second label is dramatically less expensive. Uh, chances are, if you've been around the wine business, you've heard of Chateau Latour. Uh, they have Les Forts de, de Latour. Let's try that again. Les Forts de Latour. And um, you will love it, love it, love it. It gets major reviews, incredible scores, and will not set you back um, uh, to the tune of your entire mortgage. Uh, Chateau Margaux is uh, about as esteemed a name in French wines as it gets. They have a second label. It's Pavilion Rouge, and I'm not sure what the price differential is. And then their Chateau Mouton Rothschild, they have Les Petites Moutons. Uh, in California, and by the way, this is happening in every country. It's happening in uh, France, Italy, Spain. In the United States, some of the really biggies, um, like Bryant family, most people would kill for a bottle of that. They have an offering called DB4. Uh, Duckhorn, uh, which is a label that has uh, always commanded the highest respect and the highest prices, has um, a number of different second labels, not just one, and they include migration and decoy. So there's a good chance if there's a duck reference to a wine that isn't Duckhorn, it might just be from Duckhorn. And then let's see, uh, Paul Meyer uh, has Jason, and I was actually shocked at uh, how much lower the price of Jason is than Paul Meyer. And by the way, Jason is Mr. Paul Meyer's first name. Uh, Paul Hobbs, who uh, makes wines that uh, I would drink nothing else for the rest of my life if I could. Second label, Cross Barn. And then the wine that everybody seems to hold up there as being the most um, beloved and unattainable wine on the planet, Screaming Eagle. Uh, they have Leviathan. And um, actually, that's a good story to read about um, the relationship between Screaming Eagle and Leviathan. Um, there's a husband and wife involved there. I won't tell you any more than that because we're out of time, unfortunately. But I sure as heck uh, hope you've taken notes or at least taken note of uh, how you can live uh, a much more affluent life without uh, having all your cash flow out the drain of your bank account. That's what we're going to do for today. Uh, I'm going to take off to parts unknown. I'm going to tell you where my impromptu adventure takes me for the next couple of days. I don't know where I'm going. I'll let you know how it turns out and also try to let you know how much I save when we reconvene the next episode of Grape Encounters Radio.
Are you following Grape Encounters on social media yet? You're not? Well, you should be. It's the best way to hear the latest, juiciest, unfiltered wine stories. It's also the single best way to keep our unpretentious, decidedly different wine conversations going strong. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Grape Encounters. For tons of content on Facebook, you'll want to join our Grape Encounters radio group page. Or if LinkedIn is more your thing, connect with me by typing Grape Encounters Radio or Grape Encounters David in the search bar. Here's the deal. The more you click, the more I'll pour.